and welcome to the Revenue Marketing Report powered by CaliberMind. Our goal on the RMR is to help marketers move from subject matter experts to strategic business partners. I'm your host, Kamala Thompson, and today I'm thrilled to introduce Sam Becker. Thank you for having me on, Kamala. I, uh, like she said, my name is Sam Becker. I'm a mindset coach for uh, entrepreneurs, primarily working with the, with coaches and with like digital entrepreneurs as well. So people may hear that introduction and be like, okay, what does that have to do with marketing ops? Well, the demand for marketing ops is really, really high. And we're seeing more and more people moving to consulting and starting up their own business. So I would love for you to explain in a little more depth what a mindset coach is, because when I first heard of it, I was like, oh, I don't know what that is. And it sounds <laughs> like what you described. It, I'm like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. When I when I first decided to be a mindset coach, I honestly had no idea what a mindset coach was either. So when I started to dabble into that that space, that field, I really got, you know, kind of like my own kind of rhythm with it and and where I didn't even realize what I was doing was essentially what mindset coaches do. So essentially what I do is help people that are struggling with with mental blocks and and negative beliefs and destructive thoughts thought patterns and a lack of self-belief kind of thing right so i help them avoid the habits that are inevitably going to be helping you succeed in whatever field that you are looking to go into and i really help people you know avoid the pitfalls of of burnout and and, and like i said the negative mental blocks Yes. And, and burnout is a concept that's very near and dear to marketing operations, which is another reason I was excited to have you on. Before we dig into burnout more, I would love to talk through why mindset is so important for career growth and some common hurdles people face in moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah. So it, it plays a huge, massive role in, in my opinion, in everything that you do. I think because mindset, it plays such a big role in your day-to-day decisions, how you're going to approach the day in general. So it's not just for businesses or entrepreneurs. It goes into your personal lives as well. You know, I use the example of, let's just pretend that you're walking into the kitchen with your, with your coffee, right? You're going back into your room or whatever, and you happen to spill it. You know, depending on whether you're in a good mood or a bad mood, it determines how you're going to feel about that coffee being spilled. If you're in a bad mood, you're going to be pissed off and say things like, this is how the day is going to go. Great. Just my luck. If you're in a good mood, you might just say, okay, no problem. Let me get a towel, clean it up. Right. So I really feel that mindset has a huge role into, into what you, how you feel about the entire day moving forward. A lot of common mindset issues that I do see start within a lack of, of confidence in a lot of things, right? If you're starting something brand new, of course, you're going to have the feeling of not feeling confident because you're not competent in that thing yet. It's because you lack clarity on feeling like you can do something without having being able to have done it successfully yet. And there's a great uh, quote by Tony, Tony Robbins, right? I, that I kind of live by and I, preach this a lot to my clients, right? Is I'm going to butcher it. It's not word for word, but you'll get the concept. It's when you, when you have to have done something to feel confident, you're severely limiting how much you can actually achieve. So a lot of things it always stems into is like self-doubt and hesitation, but that can also come into play like procrastination, imposter syndrome, like you said, not feeling like you know enough or might feel like you have some type of fraud mentality, which is such a big, a big false belief that we tell ourselves. We need to know everything and everything in order to be able to charge 
or do what we need to do to, to advance our career. So I think those are like the, the biggest common things, even myself, when I first started, you know, growing a business or, or working for anyone, I always felt like I was walking on eggshells. Like I was going to be fired or I'm not doing as good of a job as someone else. I was comparing myself to other people. Those are the biggest things I, I, I would say that I see most often. Yeah. And I've, I've seen that too. I've seen people turn down positions because they don't have experience in that very specific technology, but they've managed like technology before. And I'm just like, Oh no, you didn't right. need to do that. So it's, it's sometimes feels safer not to try because you can't fail if you don't try, but you also can't succeed. And that's such a huge thing to focus on. So when we think we have a lack of autonomy and these other things, a lot of times it, it may, I'm not blaming people. I mean, there are people in bad work situations and some of them should be avoided, but there are situations in which we have a lot more control than we want to give ourselves credit for. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So what do you see as the top leading indicators that someone's headed for a burnout spiral? <laughs> That's a really good question. I think Honestly, what it most of the time comes down to is that there's not a real set kind of an expectation to when our day ends or what's expected of us, right? There's not enough boundaries being put in place to, to where we can avoid the burnout, which is, you know, it's such a, it's such a sad thing. Just, just looking at like statistics on how many people suffer from burnout. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it stems from a lack of really understanding on how burnout even happens. How do we get to this place? Right. And I think, you know, if, if I'm talking about, you know, different, you know, entrepreneur types, let's just use them as an example, right? It's, you know, we're a lot more susceptible because we're a lot more passionate about what we do. So we tend to work alone and we just work all the time. There's no mm -hmm. end game. Same thing with any other field. If you work those long hours without having the expectation of, uh, or boundaries set that I'm, I'm going to be here from here this time to this time, then you're going to be setting yourself up for a, a path leading to, to burnout, which would inevitably lead to stress and, and more complicated issues like depression and, you know, heart disease, that kind of stuff. Those are all statistics. Um, you know, I even read, I even read something in the, the Harvard uh, business review that they, they surveyed like over 300 members of the BNI, right? The business networking international. And I thought it was interesting because they were talking about a lot of stuff with a fixed mindset. People that experience burnout have a lot more of a fixed mindset. The fixed mindset is, is the ones that feel like they need to work a lot harder. They feel like they need to get this done or just get this last task done real quick. And it's 9 PM, you know, they're really trying to burn themselves out without even realizing it. But if they mm -hmm. have that understanding, they would be able to know that this is probably not good because this will be here tomorrow. Right. But when we're trying to get the last little bit, bit of things done, it's really hard to, to turn that, turn that side of our brains off to be able to, to use it for, you know, the energy for the next day. So I feel like not having that boundary set up in place is really, really important. Yeah. And as somebody who's struggled with burnout myself, I'm hearing a lot of things that you're spot on. I've had bosses have to tell me, you know, we're not saving lives here. It's just data. It'll be here tomorrow. Like it was my expectation I was trying to live up to and the hours I thought I should be working. It wasn't in alignment with what other people perceived. <laughs> and I think sometimes it's easier to just try to make do with what you have than risk conflict 
I don't know if conflict's the right word, but challenging leadership over more business resources by coming up with a business case and, and doing all that work. Right. Let's let's talk a little bit more about what you mean by boundaries, because I think some people might think of oversharing or something like that. But I think it's much more uh, straightforward. It's yeah, it's a lot more straightforward than I think people would would assume. I feel like the word boundary sounds a little bit more like confrontational. And that's not exactly what I'm referring to when it comes to like boundaries, right? It can be confrontational, but in a healthy way. You know, you, you don't want to talk to someone when you're in a bad, a bad mood or you're something just negative is circulating your, your mind, right? Because you're going to say things you don't really mean because you're not in the best mindset. Like you ever argued with your, you know, your significant other or a friend and you're, and you're pissed off and you share these things. You're thinking, Oh my gosh, I didn't mean to say that. I'm so sorry. Right. Same thing. You're going to need to protect yourself and not burn any bridges here. So what you can do obviously is, is set those boundaries with your superiors and let them know how you're doing, how you're feeling. If you're feeling exhausted, they're not going to want you to stick it out and work, you know, another 12 hours or whatever, right. To, to just get the job done. Like you said, we're not saving lives here. Uh, you know, it feels like we are because we, we put that on ourselves, but I think what setting boundaries, uh, can look like for a lot of healthier ways, it can be as simple as, you know, time blocking, you know, certain tasks. So you're not doing, you know, four hours straight of something, but you know, these next two hours, are dedicated to this task or, or, or the other task, right? Having a good, uh, healthy time management skills are really, really important. I think that goes in hand in hand with protecting like your calendar. Do you have family that you want to get home to and spend time with, or are you always like on call? If you feel like you're always on call, then that's, that's a easy way for you to feel like you're going to be reaching out into, into, um, into burnout territory. So a couple of things that, that I do, you know, one of my coaches actually just introduced me to this little gem of an idea earlier today, actually. And this is, this goes to, for more people that are like working from home, right. Mm-hmm. That have the family and kids kind of thing. And she introduced me to the, uh, the do not disturb door sign. So you don't have to constantly text your, your family or, or roommates or whoever you work with, right. You just leave it on the door saying, you know, genius hard at work or whatever. <laughs> so yeah. you know that no one's going to barge in and, and say, Hey, do you have a quick minute? That really helps set up boundaries too. So you don't lose focus on what you're trying to work on. Another thing that I like to do is, is, uh, there's an app called, uh, Flora, for those who have heard of the Pomodoro technique, right? That's, that's basically establishing a good productivity session. And Flora, the Flora app, uh, F-L-O-R-A is great because you can actually set up, it's free, by the way. You can set up like a time frame on how much you really want to dedicate to how, you know, a certain task at hand. So setting like a mental boundary for yourself saying, okay, good. I have 15 minutes to get this and focus on only this which is essentially what the Pomodoro technique teaches, right? It really helps you increase your productivity without feeling like you can just kind of wing the rest of your day by doing emails and checking your texts and then checking the data and then doing other tasks, multi multitasking, you know, it's not a, it's not a good thing. Yeah. Humans um, aren't very good at context switching. We, we give ourselves more credit than is due for sure. I, I agree. Yeah. We, we try to, we try to multitask and we, we, you know, sometimes we can get away with it, but when it comes to actually protecting like your calendar, and getting as much done so you're not working into the wee hours of the night, this app is great because it really helps me when I know, especially when it's something I don't really want to do. I don't really have the most excitement towards, but I know it needs to get done. I'll just set, you know, a floor app timer for 25, 30 minutes 
and just sit down and focus on only that. It really helps me with my productivity. But I think the biggest thing with boundaries that it always comes down to, I saved it for last because this is the one that's that I hold dear to my heart is again, going back to the set uh, your proper expectations and have a strong communication habit. When you have a strong communication habit, everything else just seems to fall in line. Uh, that goes with with relationships. That goes with with uh, business relationships. That goes with anything. You know, having that strong communication is just is just going to help you really not be misunderstood on both ends. Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting. I've had to remind myself to look at others as coming from a just assume they're coming from a positive space and not assuming that they understood what I said and are just doing the complete opposite. So when communicating, anybody who's worked in systems and analytics knows that the person can be nodding and giving you all the signals that they understand what you're talking about. And then when you ask them to repeat it back, it's completely off base, like different planet. And we all have different communication styles. Mm -hmm. So can you give me some examples of how to effectively set better boundaries through communication. Sure. Absolutely. I think if you break down, you know, communication, exactly what you said was a perfect example. Like what is communication? If I said, Kamala, I want you to repeat after me. And then I say purple grapes and you say, that's perfect. Yes. You said, you said yellow pineapple, right? It's like there, there's a miss there. Maybe I'm not describing the purple grape to you as, as well as I would hope. Obviously, it's a silly kind of analogy there, but it kind of goes in, in hand with, especially, you know, with, with, especially when you're trying to lead a team or just relay a certain thing. Like if you're trying to outsource something or if you're just trying to talk to a coworker about, about something you're struggling with, right? When you, when you make it as clear as possible that there's no room for misinterpretation, things go a lot more smoothly. If you are just kind of half-assing, you know, uh, um, an email to someone that is very ambiguous and it could be left up to different interpretations, it's really hard to, to really nail down the, the back and forth in a very short amount of time frame, which, it, which inevitably just takes longer at, at, you know, if you don't just sit down for another 30 seconds and revisit what you're trying to say, you know, so what, what I like to do is just, just make, make sure that it makes sense. So if I'm explaining something, I always pause and say, does that make sense? And if I see the look of confusion on someone's face, or if I, you know, if they just tell me that something is like, okay, I don't really understand this. No problem. Let me reiterate this in different ways. So it makes sense to you. Taking that extra little bit of time really makes a huge difference. It doesn't seem like it does. It sounds like it's like more tedious and annoying to have to do that. But when you start practicing that, I guarantee people are going to respect you a lot more because they're going to feel like not only are you taking care of them, but they feel heard. They feel listened. And there's a lot more respect or unspoken respect when you when you start to really take that time to make sure that the other person is understanding. That's how communication flows when there's a constant loop of understanding. Have you been burned by attribution? Are you tired of fighting with salespeople over target accounts and lead scores? We've all been there, and that's because traditional marketing analytics tools bolt onto your CRM and calculate attribution and engagement scores on the data as it is. And let's face it, most of the time, your CRM data is far from perfect. Caliber Mind is unique because it pulls data from all your sources, not just your CRM, into a data platform. Caliber Mind unifies your information, which means you can attribute dollars to website activity, standard Salesforce campaign activity, and more. 
without wasting time in spreadsheets. Ditch the spreadsheets and check out a new way to analyze revenue data with CaliberMind at CaliberMind.com. Yeah, and I think it's really important just to reiterate a few things you've already said is communication isn't binary. So what I write may mean something else to somebody else. So if I say to a boss, I need a healthy work-life balance, they may say, okay, and they think they have that and they work until 11 p.m. every day and they take one day off on the weekend. And that's not at all what it looks like for me. So it's very important to get really specific and say, I need to know that you'll trust me to get my work done (laughs) and that I can step away during the day to take care of family or do whatever. And as long as I'm getting my work done, I want that to be enough. Is, does that meet your expectation? Mm -hmm. Or do you expect specific hours? Like have that conversation. And the earlier in your employment, you can have that conversation. I've found the easier it is to set and reinforce boundaries because if you're trying to change the dynamic that's already in place, I feel anyway, it's much harder. Have you seen success with just really rigid communication and repetition there? Or is it, do you agree that sometimes it can be a little harder? I I definitely... It, I guess it just depends on on everyone's definition of like of rigid communication kind of thing. So I do I do want to point out that you did mention the importance of being like specific and being very clear in your in your in your uh, communication. Like that is the key element to your communication. Are you crystal clear on what you're trying to say? If you say I want a healthy living situation or a healthy work environment, of course that's going to be a whole different thing. Healthy meaning always a glass of water at my desk or does that mean I always have a plant on my desk or whatever. That could look like a thousand different things. You know, mm-hmm. what I like to do is is be a little bit more direct obviously keep the politeness in in there right don't oh, don't, yeah. lose, don't lose your mannerisms but you know when you are directing something like let's just use that for example i like to say something like i would prefer to have a healthier work environment such as colon and then start listing out some things that you mean so that there's no there's no uh, uh, ambiguous factors there where your boss is not really thinking okay healthy what does that mean do you want more you know sunshine in your desk do you want a fan like, what does that mean yeah. But by by being able to bullet point, you know, I I was I was taught I think pretty early on, even when I when I worked for another employer, right, um, that you don't come to the boss unless you have like, with an issue. Uh, you don't go to the boss with an issue unless you have some type of an idea for a solution. That's how Great. you really, you know, Great advice. Have, Good yeah. advice. Because because in that way, you're just bringing them more stuff to pile on their desk and they'll get to it when they get to it. It's not that important. But if you if you if you present them with something that they can, it takes their mind off of that problem because you already did the work. Not only does it solve a problem with you, they're just granting you permission. That's great communication. Right. Problem and solution. Um, but it also shows your bosses that you are a problem solver, that you are good to work on your own. There's a lot of like unspoken boundaries that are set there. Also, they can look at you and say, I trust this person because they've come to me with issues and they fixed it on their own. I mean, I'm not saying to go to your boss and bother them with every little problem. Like the, the, the trash can hasn't been updated in a week. I'm talking about real life uh, issues or real, uh, real business issues or, or whatever. But that's been a really big, uh, helpful factor for me, too, is showcasing strong communication in a problem-solving environment also. And then also, I I just want to kind of point out that so much of communication is nonverbal. So 
As a writer, I hate to say this, but you're more apt to be in an argument over email or text than you are face to face. And part of that is just de-anonymizing the transaction. So <laughs> you're following more social guidelines while, while you're interacting. We see this on social media all the time where people blast each other and say things they never say to each other in person. Um, but the other big part of that is being able to use hand motions, emphasize, so the person can actually see what is the most important to you and has a better chance to communicate to you in some way that they don't understand what you're saying. Like you mentioned the look of confusion. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, um, that's really key, which is makes it kind of makes the world we live in right now, even harder because we live in such a sensitive society, like you said, with, with like Instagram and, and Facebook texts and all that stuff. It's really easy to misinterpret a lot of things, but I think on, on a lot of levels, you know, God did bless us with emojis. <laughs> yeah. We can actually set the tone, but then there's always the idea that if you send a smiley face, it's condescending, right? There's always something. I think it just really depends on how you structure what you're saying. You know, what I, a lot of times of what I do, and this works with relationships, right? You know, my, my fiance and I, we really need to preface a lot of our conversations with the tonality that we, we are kind of expecting to translate to them. So by saying, so we're both problem solvers, right? Mm -hmm. Both want to save the world. And when there's an issue that she has, I'm always trying to find solutions. And uh, there's not always what they want. Yeah. They just want to be heard. They want to vent. They want to complain. Uh I get that. And it's not like me to say, okay, great. Yeah. That is really hard, honey. I'm sorry to hear that sucks. But when you are trying to, to, preface the conversation, it really helps by saying stuff like, I don't really want advice right now. Yep. I just want to complain. I just need somebody to hear me out right now. Yep. So by, by prefacing a lot of things, that's really saved us a lot of like a future conflicting, um, uh, conversations because now we know what the other person wants and needs, and then they get into what they're, they have to say. I think that will go a long way. Same thing with your bosses. Like, Hey boss, I know you're busy. Uh, you know, I just want to let you know we're in good spirits over here. I'm a little, little worried about this, but I wanted to bring it to your attention as opposed to, we got a big problem mayday, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> um, a lot of translation, uh, is, is hard, uh, when it, when you can't see them face to face, you know? So I agree with that. Yeah. I was surprised to hear about the smile being condescending, but then I have a bunch of family in the South and when you have somebody who's saying something very sweetly, but it's a huge insult, like, bless your heart, <laughs> we always call those chocolate covered spiders. And I'm like, ah, got it. Got it. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I hear those, that. Those chocolate covered spiders. Yeah. Cause I mean, have you ever seen someone, I have a lot of joking, joking friends, right? So that's kind of where I got that from, but I know the rest of the, the rest of the, the social media platforms can, can probably relate to this too. And we won't go into too much social media talk, but what right. I just to, just to make that a little bit more clear on what, what I meant by that was someone texts me saying, Hey, your, your shirt looks dumb, smiley face. Yeah. You know I mean? So yeah. it's like, okay, you don't, you're, I know they're not mad at me, but I know they're being a jerk. So it's just, well, it's like funny. The, no offense, but right. you just know that the next thing is going to be the most yeah. offensive thing you've ever heard in your life. It's, it's, it's yeah. And that's yeah. the exact, that's the exact way on how not to preface a conversation, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like that because I use that with my husband too. I'll say, I don't want advice. I just want to vent. 
I just right. need to talk for a couple of minutes. And then I do this with bosses too, where I'd be working on a SQL problem and they didn't know SQL. And I'm, I'm like, I know you're not going to get this. I just need you to nod as I talk because I'm a verbal processor and I need to do this in order to solve the problem. And they're like, okay. And then when I walk away, they're like, oh my God. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, that's, if you think about it, communication is the number one thing that we need to really focus a lot of energy on. That goes with anything, dogs and humans and foreign languages and English. Like it just, it's all a matter of how you communicate sign language. You can't hear, but you can sign, right? And for the, for the deaf, there's the, there's the, um, Oh my gosh. What is it called? The, uh, ASL yeah, yeah. sign language yeah. with that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's funny because as you were talking about setting boundaries, I kept thinking of dog training with positive reinforcement and how you have yes. to be consistent and very yeah. clear. And <laughs> Exactly. And then that's, that's, that's really, that's really important is to feel like you talking about burnout here. That's really important too, to feel like your time is being spent in the right areas. Mm-hmm. Like what's the reward? Are you going home fatigued and exhausted? Then something needs to change. You know, what's the reward in it for you? Are you, are you being compensated enough to, to justify those hours and justify missing your family and all the things that you really want in life, your hobbies, your uh, travel, all that stuff. That's all really, really important, which kind of circles into the soft, the soft care territory, right? That's really, really important for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think people have heard it so much. They roll their eyes, they get desensitized to the concept, but personally, I've found it to be absolutely critical in retaining any level of happiness. If we can talk about self-care and what that looks like for people, because I think it's different for everyone. Yeah. And you can, you can make that as simple or complicated as, as you really want. And I'll, I'll be with the eye rollers at first because just a handful of years ago, when I was struggling with massive, like debilitating anxiety, when they when my therapist used to tell me, we need to get you more in line with self-care. I'm like, what does that even mean? What is self-care? I, I'm caring. I'm here, aren't I? You know, so it it really depends on the person what self-care looks like to you. Because I mean, I can tell everyone to go spend ten minutes reading a book, and the the people that hate books are not going to really jive with that too much. Mm-hmm. They're going to probably think. I don't want to read a book. This is more punishment. I'm, I'm feeling burnt out because now you're making me read a book. So self-care has a lot of different, you know, things that, that, that fall into those categories. It could be as simple as literally just treating yourself to a, a five minute break and go taking a walk outside and getting some sunshine. Mm-hmm. That's really important. I actually did that earlier today. And that was very, very uh, helpful to my, um, to my whole mindset and well-being. Uh, self-care looks like a lot of uh, look can look differently to a lot of different people, right? Like I said, it kind of, depends on the person. What would make you happy? What would fuel your soul? You know, for me, I I really try to value, you know, sleep is really important. So if I can make my nighttime routine look a little bit better, you know, for me, I love to have a cup of tea. I love to have a cup of tea before bed. And then I go to sleep and I, I tend to sleep fairly decently better compared to trying to rush myself to sleep. You never, have you ever had a trip or maybe even something big happening the next day and, and you feel too excited to go to sleep or you know that it's late and you should be sleeping, but it's stressful and you can't go to sleep. Yep. So it's like not prioritizing your, your sleep um, is a huge thing. Also, that doesn't exactly scream self-care, but it's, it's one of the biggest things that you can do exercising, you know, drinking a glass of water every, every hour or something, or even just having one healthy meal a day, you're going to feel so much different than, than you would if you were to just eat junk the rest of the day and, you know, reaching that drawer of, of uh, 
your candy drawer in, at, at work that's for a Snickers. You know, there's a lot of different things that you can do for self care. Personally, I love to take my mini breaks and go, you know, either take a walk, walk my dog, or just um, just step away and, and maybe just lay down for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Just for five minutes, just to like rest my body, rest my mind, and then come back and attack what I needed to attack in the first place. Um, exercise is, is really important to me. And these are all things that I kind of came out of necessity to combat my anxiety, right? So it just kind of just flowed. Like I said, it flew flowed very naturally for me to become a mindset coach. Because the things I was already doing, you know, it just it just made it easier for me to to kind of preach the importance of self care um, because I was, I was actively doing it, and, and I know that it made such a big difference in my life as well. So I think focus on what really feels your soul and 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 start incrementally adding things uh, every other day or once a week or at the very, very minimum once a week, you know, five, 10 minutes just to do something to really break up your day and do something for you. That's, that's unapologetically for you in a healthy way. I have to add the healthy way part. Yes. Yeah. Not binging on something bad. I think we kind of accept that health is on us. Physical health is on a spectrum. And we're not at a point yet in the society. It's getting much, much better, but we're not quite at the point where everybody thinks of mental health the same way. And at different points in your life, you're going to be somewhere on the spectrum. And sometimes you're going to be low. Sometimes you're going to be high. It's going to vary. And I think it's really important for people to understand and reflect on what recharges them and feeds their soul, like you said. So for me, that might look like yoga and meditation and having really strong boundaries around when I am and am not at my computer or having some kind of like signal that I'm starting my work day and I'm leaving it because we're all working at home right now. For my husband, that means running like nine to 15 miles a day, which is, it doesn't make sense to me. And I wouldn't like, that wouldn't be self care for me, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm glad it works for him. Yeah. Yeah. It just looks different for everybody. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, you know, I, I can agree. Like I, I'm not a big runner either at all by, by any means, but I do love to go to the gym. Like that's a really good way for me to really get away from the workspace. Cause if I'm near my computer, I'm going to work because one of the things that, that I laugh about is, is people ask me, what do you enjoy to do? What are your hobbies? What, what do you do in your free time? And I'm like, well, shoot, I don't really know. I work, I work a lot, but I, but that's I a red it. flag. That's a red yeah. flag that you need to Figure exactly. Out what brings yeah. you joy. <laughs> I, have, I have a lot of, but it's, it's, it's broken up work. I should, I should add that part. It's broken up work. So I don't, I don't work constantly. Right. But when I think about it, I'm like, I do, you know, I do love to go to the movies. I do love to, you know, go to the gym, but the gym is like the biggest thing for me too. That's yeah. where you really start to focus your mind on other things and you're clearing your mind of, of your work. Cause you're not there. You're not around it. You can't, you can not really easily do that from your phone. So as I'm at the gym, I really just try to unwind my thoughts and really just focus on the task at hand, what I'm doing. And then I feel really good. Go home with my protein shake, take a nice, nice shower. And then I just get back into the, the flow of, of uh, where I left off on work. Cause it'll, let's face it, it'll be there tomorrow. It'll be there later on. Right. You don't have to kill yourself every single minute of every single day to try to get everything done when it's going to be there tomorrow too. Yeah. And I like what you said about being able to focus on what you're doing in that moment instead of thinking ahead or behind. Right. Um, I think that's so critical to recharging. Like think of how little we actually think about what we're doing while we're cooking dinner. 
and what a different experience it would be if we just focused on what we were doing. It, 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 yeah. I always listen to a podcast while I'm doing it, but when I do take the time to mindfully do something, it's, it's completely different. Yeah. When you, when you start thinking about everything that you do with, with the idea of where the intention is coming from or what the expectation is when you, when you go into it, like for me sitting down, like maybe a year or two ago when I was just obsessed with work, right. And this is how I really learned how to combat, you know, burnout was because this is something that I've lived myself when it was something like taking a break to go watch a movie at the movie theaters, right? I would think, oh my gosh, like I'm taking myself away from what I need to be doing. And it was stressful. And yeah, I you feel guilty. Really, yeah, exactly. I, I couldn't really enjoy watching the movie or doing whatever it was because I knew that all this time, like time is money, right? That's such a, that's such a negative way of looking at it. Yes, you want to use your time wisely, but don't you want to spend all of your time, right? Mm-hmm. And because you want to make money, but you want to be able to enjoy your money also, right? So when I'm sitting at the movies, stressed out, thinking I should be somewhere else, it takes me a long time to settle in. And it would actually stress me out to the point where I'd feel anxiety, anxious and feel anxiety. So when you're going to the movies, you're, you're consciously, and this is just an example, whatever it looks like to you guys, right, is when you consciously make the decision to do something, be in that moment. Because when you are not in that moment, you're, you're going to be stressed out and you might, you might be feeling anxious as well, right? For those that have anxiety, know what I'm talking about. So it just, it just really makes a huge difference to have a different mindset of, of the things that you're doing um, when you're doing them. Yeah, I'm just struck that this is really living your values and prioritizing yourself in a way that's healthier. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We got to take care of ourselves because no one else is going to, right? Yes. Yes. Self-advocacy is important. Um, And I think that's been the theme throughout this really been setting boundaries and kind of speaking up for yourself and you don't have to do it in an unkind way. In fact, you probably shouldn't because you're going to go in the opposite direction you want to go, but (laughs) exactly. Yeah, probably so. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Sam, thank you so much. Where can people find you online? You can check me out on the social platforms. If you go to facebook.com slash Sam P Becker, uh, you'll find me or just search Sam Becker. You'll find me there. But Instagram is I am underscore Sam Becker. And I'll be I'll be there so you guys can check out the, the content and latest news and updates there. So, Kamala, thank you so much for having me on. This was uh, my favorite topic to talk about. So I'm happy that you uh, wanted me to, to be a part of this with you. It's an honor. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And for those of you looking for more great content like this, check out CaliberMind.com. 